Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, this is Glenn Drover, and you're listening to Talking Metal. You're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast with your host, Mark Striegel. And special guest co-host, Victor M. Ruiz. iTunes number one hard rock and metal podcast. I'm Bud Friendly. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Victor. Welcome one and all to another episode of Talking Metal Live. I am Victor over here in Spain and across the way... We have Mark Striegel in Maplewood, New Jersey. Yo, Victor. How are you, man? Doing good. How are you doing, Mark? Good, good. Last Friday, I actually recorded a what would have been a Talking Metal Live if I was, uh, if I was going out live over the stream, which I wasn't, but I recorded a, a podcast at the same exact time last uh, Friday. It was uh, episode 445, and... Had some good interviews and it was it was a lot of fun, but I, I you know I got to learn how to do this live streaming from from my end here because right. uh, I think it's really important that we keep this live show going consistently every Friday. And I spoke with John and he wants to get involved and it you know it'd be great to even hear you and John do an episode together and you know one one time when you're not available, John and I will do it. Maybe I do a solo episode. And I think between the three of us, there's absolutely no reason why we can't have something going on here live every every Friday. Yeah, I agree. And I think it would be great to uh, keep things going, keep people interested and, in, you know, hearing one of us three or, you know, two of us talking about just different things, whether they're guests on or not. Uh, it, it's really a lot of fun to do these shows uh, when I do them with you. When I've had John on once in the past, was pretty cool as well. So, and I, and I think people get a kick out of listening to us just BS back and forth. Yeah, totally. So, why don't you tell us who's on the show tonight? So today we have Glenn Drover, most known for his work in Megadeth. He played on a few of. Uh, the the latter, uh, actually no, he only played on one of the Megadeth albums. Now that I think of it, it's Chris Broderick that's done the majority of this stuff after the band got back together because the system has failed. It was just Dave Mustaine, and then the following album, United Abominations, is the one with Glenn Drover. Uh, if I remember correctly, and that to me is my favorite out of all of the bunch that have been released since the band has gotten back together. I think it's really solid. Yeah. Uh, top to bottom. The Metal Sucks today called uh, the... what? What's the new Megadeth? It's... Um, uh, shit, it's slipping my mind right now. The name of the new Megadeth album is Super Collider, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. called it the worst record of 2013. I don't know. I, I like I know, that. that's why I'm telling you, because I know you like it, right? I like the title track. There are a few tracks off of it that that are cool. Is it the best work that they've done? No, not by a long shot, but it isn't Risk. Uh, I don't know. I'd put it somewhere in there with like cryptic writing or, or something like that. Okay. But 
I mean, it's not Peace Cells, it's not Rust in Peace, it's not United Abominations. Um, but it's got some cool stuff on there, and come on, out of everything that's been released this year, you know, I, I, know, I know the guys at Metal Sucks love to, uh, you know, poo-poo Megadeth and Metallica and, and certain bands, so anytime, you know, something comes up, I know that they compared it to Lulu, for example, and I don't yeah. think it's actually as bad as Lulu, so... Weird. I've been Twist. listening to a little Lulu lately since Lou Reed died, and I, I know I'm the only one, but I actually, in a weird way, kind of like it. I mean, it's not something you can listen to every single day, but there's uh, there's some kind of interesting stuff on there, and I like how raw it is. And I know I'm in a, a very lonely club saying that, but um, yeah, I, there's parts of Lulu that since Lou Reed's death, I've discovered and, and uh, enjoy. A little bit, at least. So, hey, so let's. Uh, I know we got Glenn calling in at what nine fifteen. Yep. Cool. Donnie G is emailing me too. He wants to call in, so maybe we'll uh, give him a number to call in. But I don't want to give him the number right now, or he's going to call in, and then Glenn Grover is going to get a busy signal. So, anyways, let's get in. Do you got the Hades track queued up? Yes, sir. It is queued up. Cool. So I in episode four four five I said that this track was recorded in 1986 which Dan Lorenzo listened to the podcast and of course uh, immediately told me it was recorded in 1984 which actually makes more sense in a weird way it almost sounds more 1984 than 1986 it has this rawness I think it's great uh, this is what Dan has to say about the, the track the New Jersey band Hades have been uh, let's see. The New Jersey band Hades have released an early recording of the song The Cross with John Kolura on vocals from 1984. The Cross was eventually recorded in 1986 with the new Hades lineup and released on the band's first album, Resisting Success, in 1987. So again, the version we're going to hear right now is from 1984. And Dan goes on to say, John... Kulura was in a Judas Priest tribute band that used to play in the Bergen County area. He had a ridiculous set of pipes and was the Hades vocalist for a short period of time. The Cross was originally written by myself and the original Hades vocalist, Paul Smith. Wow, this is getting confusing. But, uh, we never recorded it with Paul, and John changed the lyrics and melodies. This was John's only recording with Hades. He was actually supposed to re-record Paul's vocals for our song called Easy Way Out that ended up on Metal Blade's Metal Massacre 6. But John never showed up for that session, and that stunt pretty much ended his career in Hades, said founding member Dan Lorenzo. I bump into John every now and then, and it was a lifelong regret. John would try and talk me into writing together in the mid-90s, but I wasn't into it. Sadly, John passed away a few years ago. He reminds me of that great line in the Bronx tale about wasted talent. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent, and the choices that you make will shape your life forever. John recorded a bunch of demos with a bunch of bands. I know how much he loved this recording. An old fan from Pittsburgh just sent this to me. Uh, this, of course, is Dan Lorenzo talking. So I thought I'd share it. I know John is somewhere on the other side smiling right now said dan lorenzo so let's check this out once again i know you guys already heard it in the last podcast but i personally think it sounds great and wanted to play it again making sure that everybody knew it was 1984 not 1986 and when we come back we may have glenn on the line right yeah absolutely so here we go a little hades with the cross
We are back, and on the phone, we have Glenn Drover. Glenn, how are you? Good, how you doing? Not too bad. We have on to talk about an album that was recently released, uh, where he's playing with Dave Martone, called Live at Metalworks. And this came out um, back in late September, right? Yep. Sometime in September it was released, that's right. Okay, and this was released in CD and DVD at the same time. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how this project sort of came about? Uh, I believe initially it was an idea that, um, you know, I, I can't, I'm not 100% clear on, on exactly how it started, but basically it was kind of a, 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 kind of a, a thing between ideas between me and the record company and some people at the Metalworks uh, where we, we did the, the webcast at the time, and it just evolved into this thing, you know. Um, it, it, it started off with, you know, me doing it, and then it and then they were like, well, what if we got another one of our artists on, on the label? This is Magna Carta, and, and they brought up the Dave Martone idea. And so basically what happened was both <coughs> my band and his band, <coughs> excuse me, played that day, and it was filmed in an auditorium, for a live audience, you know, there is an audience there. It's not just a, you know, it, it's a live show. But uh, and it was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a live webcast. And, um, and, and that's what happened on the day. That was the event. What ended up happening, you know, now this is two years ago. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little late coming out, to say the least. I, I'm not sure what the, the big delay was, but <coughs> sorry. They ended up putting it out, so better late than never. The strange thing is that it's both of us on the same CD, which I don't think is... I, I didn't really like the idea from the get-go because there might be some people that would like his style of music and, and not mine, and could be vice versa. We both play guitar and we both play instrumental music, guitar-driven music, but we're, it's quite a bit different. But anyway, they just package it together. It was like, I think their their mindset was like, this is, you know, this is the day we did this event, and, and these were the artists that played, and here's the package. Anyway, but that's it. Uh, it came out like that, and it's a, it's a DVD, live DVD, and it also has a CD in there of the show as well. Uh, initially, it was supposed to be just a DVD, but I 
had this idea to possibly do like I was saying, you know, why don't why don't I do a mix of it so we can, you know, it could be more for like audio for like iTunes or whatever. And in the end, they ended up just you know marketing it, I believe, as more of a CD with a bonus DVD. But whatever the case, it's a live show. There you have it. And who is playing with you in uh, in the live setting on this uh, DVD CD? Well, the drummer that we had at the time, uh, he, he's no longer with us. But the bass player, is uh, his name is Paul Yee. And um, the keyboard player is Jim Gilmore, who's a um, keyboard player for, for the, from the band uh, Saga. He's still probably a member of that band. Oh, and cool. we started working together... Uh, you know, for uh, about I guess about three years ago now. So, but uh, that's that's uh, the lineup. Yeah. Excellent. So you obviously have this band together. Are you guys working on new material right now, or what's up yeah, with been, the? Yeah, we've been slowly working on stuff, just kind of at our own pace. Um, in around other things that we're doing, and we're about halfway through a new album. Uh, this one could possibly have half an album of uh, instrumental tracks and half of it with guest vocals. So there's going to be oh. probably guest players, guest guest singers. That's the way I'm looking at it right now, but it could change. I don't know. Basically, I'm just at this, at this stage where you know, we're recording stuff and putting things together, but how it's going to be formatted in the end, is, I, I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, but things are running really well, and uh, I'm really excited about what we're doing so far. So it's probably and- going to be... Even a little bit more diverse than the last one, where there's going to be more metal this time, and, and not just the rock fusion prog kind of thing, which of course is still going to be there. There's going to be those those elements and those kind of songs, but there's also going to be some more heavier uh, stuff as well. Cool. And when you you know you're talking about having vocals on on half the album, have you yeah. already recorded and tracked vocals with some vocalists, or are you still uh, kind of in the process of reaching out to people? Well, there's a couple of people. I'm not going to, instead of saying anything right now and jinx the whole thing, I'm going to leave that. Uh, I'll just, I'll wait for that. But the, the, what we've done so far, vocal-wise, is we did a cover of a, of a saga tune, something me and Jim had been talking about doing. And there was one tune in particular I thought would fit in with what we're doing, do it our own way. You know, it's it's still, you know, we're still keeping true to the, to the original, but it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more us, this this lineup. And um, that has the original singer, Mike Sadler, who he, he sang on the track. So that's really cool. So it's basically the band plus, you know, uh, the singer as well, from, from Saga as well as the keyboard player, Jim. So um, we have that, which turned out really, really good. Really happy with that. And then there's also an old Eidolon track that was uh, on an album that was, Never really quite released properly. It was it was one of the independent ones before we got signed to Metal Blade, and um, the singer from uh, Metallium sang that track, Penny Bossy, who was a singer I'd w- I wanted to work with uh, a long time. Love his vocals, and uh, and we just hooked up and talked about the possibility of doing a track, and then we did. So Excellent. That's what I have so far. There's other things going on, but <clears throat> those are the two things I'm comfortable mentioning right. Yeah, since since you mentioned that the last track is a remake of of a band that you actually or that you obviously had with your brother, is there any chance that your brother would appear anywhere on this album? No, no, he won't be on the album. So okay, I mean, you know, there's of course there's you know, I mean, the song that we recorded, <clears throat> I think for the most part is Sean's song, if I can remember correctly. I think he wrote it. So there are some of his riffs and stuff on the album. Yes. And there's a couple little bits and pieces here and there that uh, that are Sean. But uh, as far as him playing on the album, no, he won't be playing on the album this time. Okay. Do you have another drummer lined up to uh, play on the album then? We do. We have. We're, there's a, a drummer that uh, young guy we've been working with, <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> so far so good. Um, he's a really good drummer. And uh, but like I said, kind of it's kind of a slow moving process right now. Really, I'm not really. Um, we're not we're not playing anywhere, and and the recording stuff is we're just kind of taking our time with it, just like we did with the Metal Illusion album, you know. So, uh, but everything, yeah, everything is going is is going really really good. Everybody's working out, and and uh, things are coming together. So, really happy about that. Cool. And where's the best place people can get in touch with you online? Um, 
Well, I guess probably the Twitter page, you know, because you can you can always send little things here and there. I, I don't use the Facebook thing anymore. I, I you know, I, for me that site's trouble and um, too much negativity. So yeah. I kind of I, I get rid of that quite some time ago. But uh, I, I use Twitter because I think it's a lot more positive and seems to be a lot cooler. Um, and for what I'm doing, Twitter makes more sense than anything, really. Cool. Um, and are are you still doing? Lessons. I know. Last time I spoke with you, you were uh, you were mm-hmm. doing a lot of guitar lessons. I think via like Skype, right? Right. It's kind of it, it's it's um it's, it's lessons, but it's also I also do a lot of interactive recording too with a lot of my my guys. I, I do that. It's it's uh, really kind of morphed into that, but a guitar lesson thingy. But it's it's we're using you know the tools of recording, not only doing that thing and getting into you know, building songs or solo sections, you know, learning how to, to construct solos over, over patterns and so forth. Um, you know, we're learning our, a lot of our guitar skills through that, but also, you know, at the same time doing this passing back and forth of files and, uh, and building tunes and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more exciting. You know, sometimes, you, you know, here's this lick, you know, and go practice that and it's all cool doing all that stuff, but I, I find this a lot more productive because you're learning so many different things at, at one time and not just guitar. You're learning all that, but you're learning through... Just like when I was playing, you know, growing up, playing along with records, you know, it was it was a lot of fun, and that's how I learned how to, to play initially, you know, is through playing with my albums and stuff and jamming over it, and you know, and all that stuff. So using the aid of music to... You know, rather than just playing stuff on your own, you're you're using these other kind of things to uh, to improve and learn a lot of new skills and stuff. Not just guitar, but recording as well. Excellent. And so, if somebody wanted to contact you about you know lessons and just interacting with you online, the Twitter page again is the best place to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, again, I could be contacted through there, but you know, the best way is you know is my main email address, which is. Um, G, D is in David, S and Sam, Rover767 at gmail.com. Excellent. Cool. So GDS, G, GDS Drover767 at gmail. Excellent. And Glenn, where are you based out of? I'm actually close to Windsor in, in, uh, in Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah. Real close to Detroit. And is that where you're originally from, that area? No, I actually grew up in a small town out of out of Montreal until I was in my mid-teens, and then I grew, I uh, moved to a, a town outside of Toronto, where okay. I lived up until uh, about four or five months ago. And I've relocated, and uh, I'm super happy. It's a lot better than where I used to live, that's for sure. Even though, cool. I mean, it was a, a cool area, and it was, it was just too overpopulated, you know? Yeah. That's a whole other story, but yeah, I'm definitely really digging and very happy uh, where, where uh, I've moved. Very, very happy. So. Fourth biggest city, I think, in, in North America, right? Toronto. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and it's just, you know, I mean, if you, if you want to, you know, be in that environment, you've got to love you. I mean, for me, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm so over that, being in, in the rat race for 30 years. Uh, you know, I, I, and my family, just not just me, but all of us, were just burnt out of that crap. So... It was time to leave, and uh, yeah, there you have it. Well, Glenn, thanks so much for touching base with us on Talking Metal. We really appreciate you coming on and updating us on what you're up to. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Glenn. You got some music there, Victor? Yeah, we got some of, uh, we got a track off of the Live at Metalworks. This is called Ascension, and this is just him, the album as he mentioned has another player on it and they swap uh playing back and forth on certain tracks but this is uh the one track that you can't find anywhere else on his other live album that he released or anything so uh let's get into this this is once again ascension off of live at metalworks
come out of this, I'm going to quickly just run down something. Then we'll, we'll talk talk about Jake for like three or four minutes. It doesn't have to be right. an in-depth discussion. All right. We, we're actually back now. So ah. <laughs> one of the things that uh, we had talked about off-air that we were going to talk about and Mark just mentioned is the return of Jakey Lee. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about that in just a second. I also want to mention to the handful of people that are listening live, I don't know why our voices are so low and the music is so loud. Um, we'll try and work on that and get that corrected in future episodes. Uh, it's just the way it is tonight. So if you're listening to the podcast version, it most likely probably sounds fine because we go back and, and remix them and kind of re-put them together for the podcast uh, real quick, before we talk about Jakey Lee and before we talk to Donnie G, we're going to try to call Donnie G one of the handful of listeners listening tonight out in San Francisco. Good, good guy was uh, let go from Revolver Magazine a, a few months back. His name is Josh Bernste- Bernstein, and he was always a big supporter of Talking Metal. And I was sorry to see him go. Revolver is my favorite magazine, and and I think it's. Uh, it's it's a big loss without him, and I just got the new issue of Revolver, and the cover is freaking terrible, and I couldn't help but think that uh, Josh wouldn't have allowed this to happen. There's They actually have a blurry black-and-white photo of Black Sabbath on on the cover of uh, of Revolver. Can you see that, Victor? I'm holding it up to the webcam. I don't know. It's very strange. And uh, they also have their top... 20 list the top 20 albums of 2013 uh, again my friend josh not involved in picking this list this year um let's quickly just hit upon a couple of these we will i'm not going to hit everyone if you're interested in knowing the complete top 20 of 2013 list go buy the new issue of revolver magazine black sabbath is on the cover number 20 they have gore guts Number 19, an album that I like a lot, the new Rob Zombie, the Venomous Wrath Regeneration Vendor. Good record. Number 15, we're skipping around here, Five Finger Death Punch, The Wrong Side of Heaven and The Right Side of Hell. Uh, Let's go on up. Number 13, an album which I've only heard people complain about, so I'm not sure why Revolver likes it so much, but 13 is Corn. The new corn record, number 12, Volbeat, Outlaw, Gentlemen, and Shady Ladies. Number nine, they have Alice in Chains with The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here. Another record that people didn't seem to gravitate towards quite as much as uh, Black Gives Way to Blue from a few years earlier. Number seven, Ghost BC, one of my favorite records of the year, if not my favorite record of the year. Infestizumum, I think it's pronounced. I don't know. Who knows? Number five, they have Abandon All Life. Uh, Actually, going back, number six, Carcass Surgical Steel. A lot of people are loving that record. And number two, a really interesting record. I don't know if you've heard this record, Victor. Death Heaven Sun is the band, and Sunbather is the album. Have you heard that? I have not. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. It's almost like My Bloody Valentine, like that lush, like kind of like indie, like nineties, like early nineties, you know, rock, like just heroin, lush rock, mixed yeah. with like black metal. It's like really weird come i mean it, it sounds like a weird combination but if you listen to it it's it's way out there it's like as a guy in his 40s it's something that i can't listen to over and over again but when i do listen to it, I, it it's somewhat impressive and number one according to revolver the number one album of the year is black sabbath 13 interesting yeah and a lot of people are are, are picking that album um, it, it leads me to something I've been thinking about recently, uh, with a lot of these albums and I mean, with a lot of these lists, there's so much music that, for example, is thrown at, is thrown at me, thrown at you and, and all these people that are reviewing these albums. If these lists come out, say a year from now, do you think, I, I know you're, you really like that ghost album, 
but some of these other albums, do you think that you would still like them as much as you do today? Oh, I don't know. I get sick of stuff so easy. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I would I like them as much as I do today? Maybe not. You know, I mean, music, it's like, you know, it's like I, I've been listening to Rage for Order just nonstop for like the last week. It's like, you know, and that's an album I loved in the 80s when it came out. And, you know, I've had, you know, gravitated back to it here and there but i haven't listened to that record in years you know and and here i am listening to it again and and i love it just as much as ever you know but uh it's hard to say there are are other records that i i go back to and and i'm like yeah man i i just can't get into this anymore some some of these albums age with you others others don't right um i i personally think you know my my top five today for 2013 it's like sabbath is in there but so is i mean ghost bc is definitely number one for me this year uh i like the new queens right a lot you know I, I i do think it's a really great record and in a weird way it, it's almost made me appreciate jeff tate's voice more no disrespect towards todd but it, it's reminded me that new queens record how great queens once was and is Right. Made me go back to their '80s era stuff and really intensely dive into it. And I mean, Jeff Tate at his prime—you just couldn't touch that voice. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's something very unique about his voice. But I, I think Todd is doing a great job with with Queensrÿche, and I think that album is really solid. I I, uh, I think this Def Haven record's interesting. I don't know if I would put it in, in my top five personally for what I enjoy listening to. Um, what other ones am I really digging? Winery Dogs. I freaking love that record. Winery Dogs, you know. So, uh, you know, we'll talk more about that. I'm probably for the first time in many years going to do like a my top 10 albums of the year uh, this year, and I'll post that on Talking Metal soon. You should do a list too, Victor. Yeah, I, I have to. Um, I have a whole list of albums that I need to listen to before putting any sort of list together because out of the ones that you mentioned, I mean, I've listened to the Sabbath one a lot. I've listened to the Alice in Chains a lot. I actually like that album. It's yeah, it's yeah. completely different to uh, Black Gives Way to Blue, which which I actually appreciate that they didn't do a, a similar album. There are some tracks off of that that are just absolutely fantastic. In my I got to go back and listen to it again because uh, my friend Matt Volpe, good friend of mine. Uh, He's not even really a, a metal guy, but he likes a lot of alternative and stuff. And, and he was just telling me how, what a great record that is. So I need to revisit it because I definitely listened to it a couple times when it came out. But uh, hey, you know, we got to call my, my good buddy Donnie G. I haven't spoken to him in years. And I also want to try to wrap up right at 10 o'clock tonight because I'm leaving on a vacation uh, first thing tomorrow morning. So did you get the number? I forwarded it to you. Let's see if we can get this maniac on the line. This guy is a long-time Talking Metal listener, and he's uh, recently been calling into the Two Sides of the Coin podcast with uh, Mitch LaFon, which a lot of people are listening to that show, man. I'm a little jealous. I was like, they're getting like, on their YouTube page alone, they're getting like 5,000 views. And I, I shouldn't talk because I know anybody listening to the live stream thinks our that our audio sucks tonight. However, if you're listening to the podcast version, it probably sounds okay. But their audio on that show is is pretty rough. Yeah, it's touch and go. <laughs> Definitely. Not that that matters. So I think it, it probably comes down to content. Um, and people are digging it. But let's. You got them on the line. Uh, let me see. It gave me a call failed here. Uh, mm-hmm. Again. We'll check it out. Big thanks to Glenn Drover, former Megadeth guitarist, joining us here on the podcast tonight. And, oh, I hear it ringing. Will we get this maniac on the line or not? Hey! Don, Donnie, it's Mark Striegel. How are you, man? I know it is. What's up, buddy? How you doing, bro? Good, man. Good. We haven't spoken in a while. How you been hanging? We, yeah, you and me haven't spoken in a long time, and I go way back to the very beginnings of the, 
I am the part of the inner sanctum of the Talking Metal podcast. I'm doing wonderful. And Victor, my European ancestral brother, how are you? Good. How are you, Donnie? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good. Marky Mark, man, thank you so much for calling me. I appreciate it so much. I miss talking to you. I just got back into the Talking Metal fold, as it were. And, so uh, how long, yeah, I think how long did you leave us for? There were a few years we didn't well, know. Well, yeah, no, it was a while. And uh, there's other things that I don't want to, you know. Um, you know, I was, went through a little bit of a uh, situation and, uh, you know. But the fact of the matter is I'm back and I love you. You, you know me. I mean, I sent you the live, the hearing aid, uh, a copy of Kerrang! to your uh, Rockefeller Center, uh, uh, you know, uh, where you work. You yeah, know, right. I mean, I'm yeah, the real yeah. deal, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, man. Definitely. <laughs> right, definitely. Right, Are you right. still working at? Uh, where were you working? Volkswagen or something? Yeah, Volkswagen of Oakland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I've been working there ever since that story I told you, where I stole the Tommy Lee's Grammy invitation um, right. when I was driving around as a little kid in '89. Uh, was when Doctor Phil Good came out, which personally, Motley Crue died after. Uh, shout out to Devil because I'm a metal guy. But anyways, um, yeah. So I, I I stole that. But if you don't mind, can I name Adam and Mark? You know, you've seen copies of my ticket stubs. I'd like to tell you my t- top ten concerts of all time in my life. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You got okay, you got cool. you got that list ready to go right now. I got it written up, bro. I got it written right, up. Let's do it. Let's and do it. and uh, be, be, before I t- say my list. The, the love that you gave Race for Order and then the the Rock Strikes 10 thing that I just discovered because of you, oh, my God, I just, like, oh, my God, I just, I just lit up because I saw that tour in August of 1986 at the Cow Palace Rage for Order tour open up for ACDC, Who Made Who. But that being said, and then, oh, and then before I go any further, your ghost and in America, because we're sellouts here, it's Ghost BC, but, oh, my God, phenomenal. Phenomenal yeah. band. I, I flew to Vegas and saw them. They're awesome. They opened up for uh, um, for uh, Event Sevenfold, which is eh, but Deftones, which I love. But it was my top ten concerts of all time. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Kiss Motley Crue Easter Sunday, nineteen eighty three. Wow. Number two, Metallica Megadeth Metal Church. In Exodus, New Year's Eve, 1985, going into 1986, San Francisco Civic Center. Wow, nice, number nice. three, n- number three, Guns N' Roses with Iron Maiden, which was only six dates in the United States uh, at the Shoreline Amphitheater uh, in 1988. Um, and maybe Guns N' Roses, because in 1988, I saw Guns N' Roses four times, twice open up from Aerosmith. Once on their own in uh, early '88, before Appetite broke, and I had a seat in the in the um, in the balcony, and the place didn't even sell up. Um, wow. oh. Yeah, yeah. Number five would be Sabotage at the Stone in San Francisco in the Hall of the Mountain King tour. And if anybody knows, uh, it was before Chris died, obviously uh, six years before he died. And on the tour bus, the front of the tour bus, in front of the stone, it said White Witch, which it, which is a song on Hall of the Mountain King, which is basically White Witch, is basically a, a lifestyle that we all lived back then, and yeah. unfortunately, some of us kept on. Um, and number six would be Pearl Jam, the week they appeared on Time Magazine, the Versus Tour at the Warfield Theater, and I saw them two, two nights later at at the Greek Theater in Berkeley, but uh, the Warfield Theater. Um, I would say number seven would be Judas Priest Scream for Vengeance Tour in 82, tied with Judas Priest Scream for uh, 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 Defenders of the Faith Tour in 84. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this isn't metal, but I'm probably going to put this on the top of the list, so all the metalheads are going to hate me, but I don't really give a fuck. Um, the Cure Disintegration Tour, September 10th, 1989, Shoreline Amphitheater, Mountain View, California. Brilliant, epic, dark, morose, I mean, awesome. 
Um, I like the cure a lot, man. I mean, I, I really. Oh, uh, that doesn't surprise me, dude. Yeah. You know, and you're, you know, and you're, 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 yeah, no, nah, dude, you're, you're the real deal. Um, I would say. I remember I was working one? at a record store when the, uh, that record came out and I was just. Uh, oh, for real? Yeah. Away, dude, uh, it's like so yeah. That's when I married my wife and unfortunately she, she died, uh, and I didn't tell you this, Mark, with our oh. uh, email. Yeah, she died June 18th, 2008. So I was oh, with her. On, oh, yeah. It, it totally shocks him. It totally messed up my life big time. But I was with my girl, Lori McGuire, this, this September 10th, 1989. It was awesome. And the next one would be Paul Stanley's solo tour at the Omni Theater in Oakland, California. And I'm going to have to I, say... I saw that. I saw the Paul Stanley solo tour. Oh, you did? Okay. okay. Yeah. Way Trump better than the, the, the Live to Win one. Oh, that was like... Yeah. It was like... Yeah. Uh, it was like, yeah. He, I mean, he, it was them playing Magic Touch, you know? Right. Right. Well, so you're talking the, the, this, this Stanley tour from, like, whatever that was, like, 88 or something? 89? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was actually 89. It was 89. 89. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, it, then I would say... I'd, I'd have Nirvana, New Year's Eve, eight ninety three into ninety four, two months before he blew his head off at the Oakland Coliseum, and um, yeah, yeah, and then I have to throw in just because of the, the love that you would be raised for Order Tour with Queensryche opening up for ACDC. So cool. Um, yeah, well, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Joey's podcast, the Rock Strikes. 10 podcast. It's definitely a, a fun listen if you haven't heard it. Oh, that. it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was great. It was just so cool to hear all this eclectic other than metal sort of vibe that you were, you know, talking about. And I could tell that guy, whoever that dude is, he, he knew. And like, you know, I have a, a thing with the, the three sides of the coin guys and whatnot, and it's like I was talking to uh, Tommy Summers, one of the things, and I was telling him about how I know you, like I know you, and like as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, you, Mark Striegel, are the gold standard of podcasts. You know, and oh, that okay. you're out. But, you know, it's a fact. What did they okay. say to that? You, you told them that? No, fuck yeah, I told them that. And I told Mitch LaFon, the, the, he likes to say he's the rock journalist. But, yeah, I, asked, I, I sent him personal emails, Tommy Summers, Michael Branfold, and, uh, in Tommy Summers, but Michael Brandfold's a little bit pompous, and he thinks he's, you know, he's just so cool, but I don't know if you're aware that uh, Eddie Trunk was just on their last number 50 uh, podcast, and it was really phenomenal. It was a t over two-hour podcast, and it was, it was really, really intriguing and just phenomenal uh, uh, internet radio sort of deal, but yeah. So, um, but uh, anyways, yeah. We had, so we had Eddie on our our podcast many years no, ago. You know, I know that. Of course, I know that. Bro. I'm not trying to one up them or anything. Because listen, they, I I think at this point, the three sides of the coin podcast or whatever it is, YouTube show, probably has as many listeners, if not more, than Talking Metal does. So, well, uh, because you well, let's be honest, Marky Mark, because you all never you, know, you were before what they became. They just started December eleventh of two thousand and twelve. Talking metal started before there was anything, so there was no coordination with YouTube. And you know, if you started now and you did all that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, well, I, I've thought about putting the podcast on YouTube, but it's like I don't want to put the. I mean, I I feel like it's better to have people hitting the MP3. And plus, if you put a podcast on YouTube and like there's like you know six listens, it's like freaking embarrassing, you know. So it's like, right. <laughs> you know, I know that you're the one, the mastermind. But yeah, but the fact of the matter is, if anybody has any sort of uh, curiosity, whatever, go back to the Guns N' Roses stakeouts of the classic talking metal. You yeah. talked, I mean, before you know, before you know. God bless them before, you know, your, your cohort became a rock star and the ultimate fanboy. Um, you know, when it was just two guys, you know, like the Beavis and Bud at the originality of the podcast, you guys were just so like, you know, just so, so green and so, it's just phenomenal. And I, I want to say radio, but podcast. Right. And I know you know what I'm talking about. You remember the yeah, yeah, Guns no, Roses? Those, those those Guns N' Roses stakeouts put us on the map. And I, I think that's before you met your your beautiful wife, and before you had your family and your kids. Am I right? 
no, no, because uh, actually, I didn't start the podcast until after I got married. Actually, I, oh, okay, I, my yeah, bad. Yeah, okay, so okay. I, I was I was married. It was long before I had kids, but um, oh, okay, right, 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 right. I started the podcast immediately after I got married. Actually, I got married in the summer, June of two thousand. Uh, Five. five. We started the okay. podcast in August 2005. Not to exclude our lovable Victor, who I love, the Mars Attacks, by the way. I oh, got tur- Oh, absolutely. I got turned on to him because of you. Um, but yeah, man, just, just good, sh- good shit. And just, I have wonderful memories of those early, uh, you know, before y'all went on to MPV. You know, let's let's not forget that you guys did the Headbangers Ball, right? Yeah, we did a couple countdown shows on VH1. Right, 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 right. Then we did the Fuse show, and then we did Mm -hmm. some Headbangers stuff, yeah. Yeah, but just, you know, I just don't want anybody to forget about that. I sure sure as hell don't, and... You know, and just you know, when I was at when I flew down, I, I flew down to the Golden Gods May second, the day Jeff Hanneman died of Slayer, and I asked you. I remember corresponding you with emails if you were going to go anymore. And then a few years before that, I went to the Ace Freely at the at the Viper Room, his first show of the Anomaly tour. Remember, I was saying, "Are you going to go? Are you going to go?" Yeah, were well, you at yeah, that, Victor? Well, oh fuck! I, I, were you at I that, was Victor? There. I was. Oh, you were? That's cool. show, yeah. Oh, it was epic. It was so cool. It was it was just phenomenal and just uh, so cool. But I, I must admit, as a as a Kiss fan, 1973, 1983, um, with maybe a 1992 revenge, kind of, but uh, with exception to that, um, I just, you know, I just hate the infighting and just, uh, you know, all the crap, and I'm just so curious what's going to happen with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I believe it's going to happen. I don't want to get my hopes up, but I just, I want it to be perfect. I don't want any, I don't want a Van Halen syndrome. I don't want, you know right. what I'm saying? You know, well, and, yeah, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, whether it's Van Halen or Guns N' Roses or even, you know, Blondie or David Bowie didn't fucking show up, you know, it's like there's been a lot of, like, controversy and and kiss wouldn't be the first band to walk in there with with uh baggage and issues however that i think is really different about the kiss scenario like with van halen it was just really weird to have sammy and and michael there and and no one else you know and the other guys just simply didn't want to be there whereas i really think with 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 kiss uh that that all four of those original members I would I I would think want to be there, and um, I that you know I could see, and I don't think they can stop them from being there. I could I think they could stop them from. I think Gene and Paul could say, "Hey, we're not going to play with those guys," but I don't know that Gene and Paul have the power to actually uh, exclude them. I don't think they right. do, but I might be wrong. And, 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 right, and the larger point is, f you, Gene and and Paul. You know what, the Rock and Roll fan, the only time I'm ever going to stick up for them is if they say, you know what, F you, Gene and Paul, we don't care what you think. Ace and Peter must be here or else you won't be here. Snap. Right. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. F you, you know. And I don't know if you read Peter's book. It's a great read. Oh, of course I did. It's phenomenal. It's a great book. However, it oh. is, very, you know, it is, as great as it is, it's a very negative read. And I, I do think that... In a lot of the recent interview, and I do, whether Paul and Gene admit it or not, they, they read the book. And I, I feel like they didn't like the book, and they didn't like how they were portrayed in the book. And, and I do feel that the, since that book has come out, they've been more negative, not only towards Peter, but towards Ace. And I, I read this one interview with them on, like, a Fox News website, uh, and they were, like, uh, say, they were lumping Ace in. They were actually saying... Well, in Ace's book, you like you know Ace and Peter's book. Everything you know, they they talk a bunch of shit about us. And Ace's book, he doesn't talk much shit about them at all. I think the only thing he says is that company line, man. Now your buddy, your little you know your cohort, John Rockstar Astronomy, he's totally you know trying to. He should know. I mean, Ace really, yeah. He he totally was a company line, and now. 
Ace, you know, had an epiphany. He's like, oh, F that. I'm going to fucking tell you all what it's about. So now he's threatening to write a second book, you know, and, yeah. and be more like a Peter Chris book. And it's like, well, he should have done it in the beginning, but in my opinion, maybe he was thinking dollar signs and don't want to, like, rattle the cage of Gene and Paul, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. Well, I'm very interested to read Paul's book, too, which will be coming out. Uh, I think that'll yeah, be... Yeah, 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 it should be, but, uh, you know, and just how guarded he is and how sensitive he is, I'm not sure it's going to be honest, you know? And, yeah, that's um, true. Paul is very guarded. But, and, but Mark, before I go any further, I, I know I sent you a picture of me with uh, your friend, uh, Long, Lon? Right, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, I, I'm so, yeah, Long Frame. Uh, I know that it's your friend. Or, do you remember the picture I sent you of me and him I at do, the Metallica yeah. convention? I was yes, <laughs> at the Metallica convention in 2002. I saw him walk in. It was like, I was the only guy that knew who the fuck he was, right? I'm all, well, uh, hey, man. And I started talking. I'm all, hey, man, can I get a picture of you? And we took a picture and blah, blah, blah. I'm so curious to see what he would think about the whole thing. But, um, um, yeah, I don't know. And before I go any further, it's fair warning, the greatest Van Halen album ever. Oh, man, those Both first six are, are so good. What do you think, Victor? Uh, it, for me, it has to be either Fair Warning or Van Halen 2. Okay, okay. I, I'm with I, Victor there. I like there. Fair Warning a lot. Uh, I like that. Don't you though. think that Fair Warning is the closest Van Halen ever became to be "quote unquote" metal. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you look at like "Women and Children" first, with the song "Out of Control," is is super heavy, and there's some just really very heavy true, on very there. true, very um, true. You know, the song true. "On Fire" on the first record is I always thought one of the heaviest Van Halen songs. Uh, right. Song yeah, and especially if you played, right, and especially if you if you put in the context of 1978. Like I always say to people, all these revisionist money motor quarterbacks, you know, it's like, well, that's not metal. It's like, well, first and foremost, it, well, Kiss isn't metal. Well, sorry, in 1976 in America, Kiss was heavy metal, okay? Yeah. In 1978, 1981, Van Halen was heavy metal. Molly Crew, 1983, Shut Up the Devil, was American heavy metal. I mean, I hate these revisionists. Well, it isn't rocking or, or, you know, you know, it's like, you know, I always get mad at people. It's like, no, man, I mean, it may not be as metal as it was, but if something was something at one time, it still is now. So no, I'm with you, you know, 100% they, on that. I know you are. I know, I know you are. I know you are. So, yeah. Well, we got to so, wrap up the show, but it's been great talking with you. I, I, awesome you know, I'm talking hoping, to you, bud. Awesome I'm hoping we can start opening up the phone lines more and talking more to you listeners on the show and uh, that was cool, Donnie bro. G checking in so, so sorry to hear that tragic news that happened to you I had no idea and I'm glad yeah well I never told you in the emails and stuff that's why you know you asked me why I disappeared and massive you know what I guess that's kind of why I kind of disappeared not that I didn't talk to you after 2008 but I sort of went into funk and got back into bad habits and you know when you get depressed right. when the person that your loved one, you know, the person your your soulmate dies, you know, you sort of totally. give up and now I'm back. So but All right, good. Victor I wanna say Victor, awesome. I love the fact that you're involved with talking metal and I hope we can move forward and and just expand everybody the greatness that is talking metal. And it's the original, it's the it's the real deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much, Donnie, and we will definitely be in touch. I'll hit you up with an email and uh, check this out when it goes up on, as a podcast because that's where most people are. Hi, Good to hear from you, bro. And Mark, hey, Mark, I love you. And Victor, Thanks, keep you. it rolling, brother. Thanks, Donnie. All right, buddy. Later. Later. So, Victor, i got to wrap it up here. It's about uh, been going about a little over an hour here. So why don't we end with some Jakey Lee uh, stuff? What do you think? Yeah, this is, uh, actually, you luckily found this. I looked all over the place and couldn't find the exact We never actually spoke played. about Jakey Lee. We were going to actually talk about him, weren't we? We never actually spoke about him. Yeah, but we let's, had, let's, uh... Real quickly, he's got a new record coming out, right? 
Yes, the Red Dragon Cartel. It's going to be out in January on Frontiers. Yeah, no one's heard from this guy for a while. I know we keep mentioning Metal Sucks. They just posted an article. It said, Jakey Lee does something, which I thought was a funny headline. Uh, you know, and, and I, I've spoken with people, certain people tr- want to argue that with me. Though. They're like, well, he played on an Enough's Enough solo or something. It's like, no, the guy's been really missing in action. You know, just because he played on a couple tribute records and did a solo here and there doesn't mean he's been in the spotlight. Uh, and it, everybody, you know, there's been a lot of rumors as to why he hasn't been in the spotlight. Who knows what the story is? But I'm glad to hear that he's coming back with some great special guests on this this record, right? Paul Diano, uh, Paul Diano, yeah, Maria from, yeah. Who else? Somebody uh, else, right? Somebody else. Oh, uh, Robin from Cheap Trick, right? Yeah, there you go. The the track that they released has Robin on it. I guess doing backing vocals. So Jakey Lee, one of my favorite guitar players from the '80s and in, even into the like the early '90s, I guess. I can't exactly remember when that second Badlands record came out, but um, you know, played on my two of my favorite Aussie records. And Badlands, that first Badlands record, I just love, love, love. It's such a great record, perfect record. Ray Gillen on vocals, Eric Singer from Kiss and Alice Cooper fame on on drums. It's such a hard rocking record that, in a lot of ways, I feel laid laid the groundwork and and kind of was almost a transition album from 80s metal into 90s grunge. That's the way I always looked at that first Badland record. It kind of like, it still had a foot in the 80s metal thing, but it was kind of like getting us ready for like, you know, Soundgarden and, and a lot of other stuff that was on the way. Alice in Chains, which came out, that first Alice in Chains album hit right around that same time. And listen, I know Soundgarden was already putting stuff out, but I'm talking about, you know, Bad Motor Finger and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I would have to agree. It's funny because I'm a real big fan of the second album, and there's a song on the second album called Shine On, which I always thought fit that exact mold that you described, sort of that in-between Alice in Chains to uh, Soundgarden sort of feel. It's just a real murky-sounding song, and I always thought that it sort of fit that. So it's interesting that you uh, think that about the the first album. Totally. And before we play this song, just real quick, on Facebook, our good friend Dave Burke checking in, and he's saying he loves the solo at the end of the Bark of the at the end of Bark of Bark. At, he says Bark of the Moon. He means Bark at the Moon. So, Dave, I'm with you. I love his playing on that record. Center to Center to Eternity is a great song on that record. Uh, Bark the Moon is another record which almost every song is perfect. I think every song is perfect, actually. I even like So Tired. I know I'm weird, but uh, I, I even like that song. Anyways, we got we to gotta run, guys. Um, let's, uh, oh, shit. Let's uh, end with some, some uh, Jake on guitar here with In This Moment, right? Yep, In This Moment, this is You're Gonna Listen, and it's Jake doing the solo. Cool. Thanks, guys. Go to TalkingMetal.com, MarsAttacksRadio.com, and show us some support by listening to the shows and making a PayPal donation. Thanks, guys. All right, cool. Good show, Victor. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Had uh, Donnie G doing the ace part there. Donnie G's back, and I told you. Um... The track Center of Eternity actually has two different names. The, the, I have the European version of Bark at the Moon, which has
look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.